So welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate and inspire romanticism by having a podcast with passionate guests woven with creative ilk. Hello, my name is Trey, and you can find me at OrphyTunes on most social media platforms. I am joined by my co-host, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi. And you can find me online at Emily Kramer Art. Kramer with a K. Uh, <laughs> we are so excited to be talking to uh, an incredible guest this evening. I don't want to deny her anymore. Uh, Emily, would you introduce our lovely guest this evening? Of course I would. Um, I'm super excited to dive in today. Um, we have a fascinating bronze sculptor on. You might know her work from her Lucille Ball uh, sculpture. Um, she's done work of Fred or I'm sorry. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. I'm so sorry. Frank Sinatra. She's got, um, it, there's, there's all kinds and I can't wait to show you and we're going to do that tonight. So welcome, Carolyn Palmer. Yes! I'm so sorry. It's funny. Don't worry. I did it twice. It's so hard. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad thank you're here. You. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really wonderful. Thanks. I was just saying there should be more shows like this out there. You guys are doing a beautiful service to humanity. It's a lovely show. Thank you so much. That's amazing to hear. <laughs> Trey's grinning and that's yeah, that's so it's so wonderful to hear that, especially from someone like you. We really do appreciate that. Aww, thank you. We're going to smile the rest of the night now. <laughs> so I want to um, dive in by showing our audience a little bit of what you do so that we can kind of give them an overview because I bet a lot of people don't know or realize what you do and, and we can kind of talk about it a little bit as we go. So this first one is you with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> There's Frank. He's uh, th that particular photo was installation day and we had just put him up there on his perch and I actually made that lamppost because oh yeah yeah the city was having issues with leaning him against a lamppost and so I said don't worry I'll just make a lamppost and lean him against it so there he there he is with the backdrop of Manhattan he's there in Hoboken New Jersey where his he was born and raised up to a certain age and then left. But uh, so that was, yeah, that was on his birthday, December 12th of uh, two years ago. Okay, cool. So if next time you're in Manhattan or New Jersey, you yeah, see that for real in person. Yes. This is Pope Benedict, right? Yes. He just recently passed on and that was for, St. Patrick's Cathedral. I have four of my popes permanently installed in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City, Manhattan. And um, there's two sculptures. They used to be the living popes until he passed. On the left side, it's Pope Francis, Pope Benedict the 16th. And then on the other side are the two saints, um, Pope John Paul II and Pope Paul VI. And all four of them visited St. Patrick's Cathedral. And that's how they invited me or commissioned me to make all four in honor of the ones that visited the cathedral. Very cool. The detail on that chain is pretty amazing. He's wearing a chain 
with a cross on it and the, yeah. Each cross I really researched because if you research each Pope, you'll see that they wear one cross more than the others. You know, it's their papal cross. So each one has oh. very strong detail. Oh, tell us about, tell us about, someone's asking, tell us about the reaction when they were presented, installed. Oh, thank you. One thing that I always enjoy is being a fly on the wall. I never say, oh, I'm the sculptor, because no one would believe a little blonde would do these things. <laughs> so well, they just don't. I mean, it's funny. Actually, I tried it once and said, hey, I did those. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's kind of a reaction because everyone thinks a sculptor should be a strong, although, you know, person, but my hands are very strong. I actually am getting them injected lately because of the so much work on them. But I, I received a very, very nice reaction to them. That was lovely. People taking photos and pictures. And um, actually, that's in the documentary that's coming out of my work, showing the people really enjoying them. So thank you for asking, Sandra. We'll, we'll talk about that documentary here soon, too. Yeah. And this is one of your most famous pieces, if not the most, right? This is Lucille. Oh, Lucille Ball. Yeah, that was, I don't know if you know how that came about. Um, Lucy was first sculpted by a fella who um, the people weren't happy with the product. They weren't, and Lucy is so loved by so many people. The poor guy was given actual death threats. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, how no. Yeah, yeah. Um, people respond so much to Lucille Ball because she is so loved and she brought such, you know, happiness to so many people that when they saw this sculpt sculpture of her, if you Google it, it's called the Scary Lucy. And um, so there was a fella in um, Jamestown, New York, who put on Facebook we must take that statue down and we must hire a new sculptor to do it. So it went viral. And um, so hundreds, hundreds, I guess, thousands of people um, responded to this fella, Tom Mandalora, and then it went into a national competition. So um, out of 68 sculptors, I, I won this one. And then it made international news. It went all over. So the people were very happy with this. I, I'm I'm happy with her, but I wish I had more time. It was they were under the gun to have it by her birthday on August sixth. So when you're under the gun, I don't have time to have a fresh eye. Like sometimes I'll work and work and work, and then you get away from something. I'm very pleased with many angles, but then there's certain angles I go, ah, oh, I would have done that different if I had more time. But just the perfectionism of a sculptor. <laughs> of course, yeah, relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. So, okay. So this is you working on uh... a, a marble Pope Francis. The other four that are in St. Patrick's Cathedral are all, all bronzes. Uh, how this came about was when Pope Francis came for his visit to America in 2015, there was a group of people that wanted me to sculpt him and have it presented to him at the residence in New York City where he was staying. So I hurried, there's no way I could get over to Rome and make you know, this marble, because it's a lot of work that goes into a marble. So what I did was 
I actually used a mold, and a lot of people do it this way. I made a mold of my my Pope Francis, and then poured marble into the mold. This this what you're looking at though is an actual real carving marble. Marble, but to do the fast track way, I had a marble. Uh, I'm sorry, a cast marble. And he walked in the door and he blessed it. And he said, where is the sculptor? And I don't know if you recall at that time, there was a major issue with security in New York City. I mean, everything was closed down. And I think the only people that ever were allowed in the papal residence was um, Pope Francis's cook. <laughs> so, but anyway, I didn't personally meet him, but he, he's, he made so many wonderful comments and my everyone signed and wrote all a documentation of how he blessed it with a benediction and uh mm -hmm. so then here the way this came about was um there was a there was God, i can't remember his name but he was a higher up in the church and uh he said this is the face of pope francis and i said well let's bring it to the vatican and he said get it in marble and we'll do that well now <laughs> i have a marble waiting in my other studio and I'm on to other things right now, but that's a little story about this one, but what an experience that was over there in Carrara, Italy. I mean, that wow. was, oh, it was so amazing. The yeah. one thing I noticed um, about this picture that to me is also so extremely cool is the background. Yes. There are these gigantic sculptures behind you in the background and that is i don't know that's so cool there's yes yes those are other you know artists that created their work there in this amazing studio right there in carrara um they would pick out the blocks of marble and bring them in and then you know other artisans and even michelangelo i mean he had to have a lot of help and assistance when you make a david that huge within <laughs> two years but you know the master sculptor does all the details and we actually show where everything has to be knocked off and we use the tools and you know we do a lot of it but in this case you know i had to have some assistance banging it for me or my arms would have never made it <laughs> <laughs> That's that photo is in my studio like two days before they were installed in St. Patrick's Cathedral. That was them sitting right in the. I know I have a friend who says, Carolyn, you look like a realist, realist, <laughs> realtor selling. <laughs> that is and I said, cool. Oh, that, if you ever see me when I'm working, trust me, I look like a real artist. <laughs> oh, that was this here was a lovely night. I was chosen to be a judge for a Frank Sinatra singer. And it was a national competition. And this fellow, Perry D'Angelo, was amazing. And he was the winner. So there we are in okay. front of, yeah, in front of uh, Frank. That's, that's great. Yeah. With the um, lantern lit up. And this is the back of Lucille Ball. Yeah. I did a lot of work for the back. And most people just look at her face. But I did a lot of work to give her that kind of peacock pulling up her dress sideways. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. This is oh, you. Was, yeah, I didn't know what photo you wanted for the... Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I... This is Lucy in the winter? 
yeah, this fella is amazing. And I keep writing him and he's a wonderful truck driver from upstate New York. And he stops and he takes these photos of my work and then shows me. And I keep saying, please, I'll pay you. Go take a bunch of them. Oh, I'll get to it. But uh, he, he's, he's sent some lovely photos because he, he really enjoys the sculpture and he has captured her in all four seasons. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So fun. What a yeah. cool fan to have. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. The one thing that I'm consistently struck by is just how, honestly, how lifelike these sculptures are and how much attention to detail there is. Um, it's the, like, what my eye goes to is how realistic her dress looks with her pulling up the skirt and, like, the it legitimately looks like she's just pulling up uh, the side of her skirt a little bit. Um, it's just incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. And it's interesting how I did that. I hire models, and I have tons of photos. I mean, I give a documentary on myself, a, a PowerPoint presentation on how I go about to um, create, you know, a piece like this. And I had uh, a lovely model. She was around Lucy's height. And I had her in a dress I bought on Amazon. And I had her pull it sideways. And I took a lot of photos, 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 and then worked from that. Yeah, it's very realistic. Trey and I both do costuming and some sewing. So that, yeah. I mean, for, for us, that looks... Like, if you didn't know it was bronze, it would look like fabric. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, I'm glad that the foundry that I work with, they're, they deal with some of the top pieces in the world. And they said one thing that they enjoy about my work, they can tell it's handmade. Because today, there's a lot of people that just go and get a dress and then they do some sort of, I don't know what they do for with it, but it's something that they can do that then they can slap on material or something, but they said they can tell mine is not done that way. Huh. So I guess, so I guess it's not too perfect, <laughs> but I can see a dress made out of bronze foil coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So here's another of uh, Frank Sinatra. A yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. What I use to make it flow out in the back is metal. Like I have a whole bunch of metal being pulled out and I bent it and shaped it and then um, put it on. But there's a story behind that lamp also. I asked them to please leave it on 24-7. It doesn't cost much. It's like, you know, maybe $2 a year. But the day we were installing it, the sculpture, it was a foggy day and it just looked so surreal to see that light, right? And it's an orange light and Frank Sinatra's favorite color is orange. So I thought this was all during the, the pandemic. People were scared, it was the beginning. And I thought, wow, it's almost like he's holding up a torch and he called orange his happy color. So, and his daughter loved that I, I um, you know, incorporated that. Yeah, orange is a happy color. Yes. That was Frank's favorite. Oh, that's and this is you working on it. Yes, yes. Uh, the foundry that I used for this particular one, again, during the pandemic, 
um, they had smaller facilities. And I usually don't use smaller facilities, uh, but it was a wonderful foundry. And you had to have them in many parts because they didn't have the large vats that the other one had. So this one had, I, I don't usually have the head disconnected. I'll work on it disconnected sometimes because I like to pull the head. Or it, it's kind of hard what I'm saying if you don't understand. <laughs> but um, yeah, you have to weld all the pieces back together. No, no sculpture that you see out there was ever made in one metal body piece. All of them have been cast in separate sections and then welded back together. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I imagine it's all very heavy as well. Yes, very heavy. This is you working on Lucille's dress on the... Yes, 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 yes. So you have a support there kind of holding up. Yeah, and if you want to hear a little bit of a funny story, the fellow... There's this fellow that always comes to our house and he goes down and he turns on the water and the different things for the house and, you know, come the spring and things like that. But he came in and I said, I need your help with your with holding this up. Next thing you know, he was helping me for about an hour with it. So that was sweet. I needed some I needed some strength, you know, somebody to help me with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. No, just uh, just exclamation of this is incredible. Um, and this is Stuart Weitzman. Yes, Stuart, wonderful man, wonderful. He has the most beautiful shoes in the world, and he has stores in over 73 countries. And um, actually, he's uh, an amazing, humble human being. And uh, two of these are already installed. I've been commissioned to make three. And the first two, one of them is near the Liberty Bell in Independence Hall. And it's called the um, National Museum of American Jewish History. Mm -hmm. And the other one is in the University of Penn, the Ivy League University of Penn, at the Weitzman School of Design. It's been named after him. So when you open the door, there he is. He's greeting everyone. And the third one I'm so excited about is going in the New York Historical Society, which is quite an honor. My Roosevelt's are there right now. But he, Stuart, is going to be greeting everyone in a new in a new section called a museum within a museum and it's going to be a collection of Stuart Weitzman's shoes um he's he has a collection not of his own personal shoes but shoes that he has found and it's a really interesting collection he had a show there once that I went to but um so his daughter loves this she says I've captured his soul his spirit oh. he's he's a more advanced he's he's going to live to 110 but he's he's older now and the photos that i'm making him or portraying him at is a little bit younger but okay I'm, I'm just happy when someone's happy with right <laughs> right well Stuart, if you are listening or watching um come be on the show we'd love to chat with oh, you <laughs> he's, he is a wonderful man he's a wonderful person he's just he's incredible i mean for everything that he has done in the world he's like he just a regular guy he's not a he's not a bragger he's you wouldn't you know and he's just a good sensitive nice man and that's that's what comes across in your sculpture as well and i that's really neat you feel that in him people say that when they see him they say i want to i want to get to know him and he look i i wanted to portray him like confident because he's confident 
you know, with his arms and he's strong. Yeah. But he's, he's got a beautiful charismatic smile. Hmm. And uh, yeah. And this is Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes, that's Eleanor. And what's very interesting about Eleanor was when I was first asked to do Eleanor and Franklin, they asked me to make sculptures that the blind could touch because FDR, you know, he had a lot of, um, I, I guess, I'm not sure what the programs are there, but it's for disabled um, people. And one of them are, you know, the, the blind. So this helped me to become, I feel, a better sculptor because when I was working on these pieces, I would close my eyes thinking, well, the blind's going to feel this. So it just made me open up to a whole nother dimension in feeling and actually feeling, you know, the physicality yeah. of a person. And what an interesting request to have something like a piece of art that that other people can touch. Normally they say, please don't touch the art. And instead they encouraged um, others to be able to touch that. Exactly. I mean, it's such a gift and it's such a unique um, beauty. And actually we, the, the fellow who's doing my documentary, Jim Burns, he um, just brought a friend of mine who's legally blind. They have him touching all the sculptures and, you know, using his glass. I mean, he has a really strong, strong glass because he has a genetic disease where they think he's going to eventually not be able to see anything. But uh, so that's in the documentary of him touching and feeling the sculptures. And then he talks about his experience. I love that that's the, that's something that made you think outside of your normal uh, process too. Yeah. Becomes a bigger challenge and, and something I love that it also now can be appreciated by more people. Yes, yes, yes. And there oh. is you with the Lucille, so we can kind of see the size <laughs> as well. Yeah. yeah, I was doing the patina outside here in my studio. I have to say from this angle, it I don't know, she just kind of looks a little sassy, just kind of like doing a, a walk down the runway almost with that kind of stance. I don't know. It was yeah, that's, that was <laughs> my intention. It's interesting, and that's why I say when I go to Celeron and I watch the fans walking around her or when I watch them walking up to her, very few walk around and I'm like, Hey, go around the back, <laughs> see the side view, you know? And this is the picture of the, the Pope's on display at St. Patrick's. Oh yes. Yes. That's St. Patrick's. And they're right at the opening when you walk off fifth Avenue at mm -hmm. night, you can see them actually lit up, but this is, this is the right um, vestibule, but St. Patrick's has the front door and then there's two side doors and the two side doors when you walk in because the, the middle door opens up and there's no art there, but these are right there when you walk in. Oh, that's me getting my doctorate. I was honored with a, a doctorate of humane le letters for my contribution to the arts um, from St. Peter's University. And they're the ones, I don't know if everyone recalls, if there's any sports fans, <laughs> remember there was a an upset in the whole collegiate world because they made it to the, I think it was the final four. Yeah, they did. And uh, it was quite amazing. That is very cool. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, this is uh, Mario Como. Yes, I was asked by the uh, National Italian American Foundation to make uh, awards um, of him. So there was a large sculpture, and then I made uh, many awards that were given out uh, to people okay. at different events. Cipriani's, we were there, and his whole family has some. They, and, uh, there was a fellow who recently died. He had a radio station um shaughnessy was the last name maybe okay. I don't know. Mm -hmm. but uh he wrote a book on mario and he he really loved his sculpture so he he bought he purchased quite a few for me oh there's thomas jefferson yeah look at those ruffles <laughs> you know those ruffles i'll never forget they just when i say they appear because there i was in my studio this is in I had all this clay and I'm thinking, how am I going to do each and little tiny thing? And all of a sudden I just said, well, let me roll out the clay. Let me roll it out. And I rolled it out and then I just went to it. The ruffles, all you have to do is roll out clay and you just kind of make it into like ribbons and you just stick it in. It was the easiest part of the whole sculpture. And here, here I worried about it and worried about it. Wow. Yeah, but that's a really impressive story. though. Huh. Thank you. There's a long story behind this one, very long story. I mean, this is how my sculpture career started and that's how the documentary begins because I was a portrait painter and um, there was a fellow in upstate New York who, uh, the name of Tom Greenwood, who owned a huge center called the Jefferson Center. And in the lobby, he had the Declaration of Independence and uh, a lot of paraphernalia from Jefferson because it was on Jefferson Street and Jefferson Center and he had offices. And so he said to me, Carolyn, you know, I've seen your paintings and I'd like you to do a painting of my son and his son Parker, who um, has autism. And I said, well, yeah, of course. I said, I'll come over, I'll take pictures. We'll have to have him still and everything. And he said, while you're at it, he said, please find me a, a person who can make a Thomas Jefferson for my lobby. And I said, oh, my God, I can do it. I can do it. I and mean, he's in the documentary talking about this. And he said, you're a painter. You're not a sculptor. I said, Tom, I can I can sculpt in sand. I can sculpt. I know it. I, I, I did it in as a little girl. I was just so in love with making people out of in the sand and making, you know, and he was like, huh? And I said, you don't have to give me a penny. I said, what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy all the clay. I'm going to get all my armatures. I'm going to build this piece. If you don't like it, nothing. And everyone in, in upstate New York, this is where I was living at the time, they were coming to my home and they were going, how are you doing this? And that was the beginning of my career. And Tom was like, this is amazing. First, I went to him with a little head because he, he was like, I don't know. I can't even believe this. I went to him with a little head and he talks about it in the documentary. So he said he it's kind of cool. So that was the beginning of my career right there. That yeah. is amazing. Oh, I, we were going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I mean, when I was in college, the professors used to say, because I had to take I got I received a degree in art education to teach art. So. I had to take um, a little bit of each studio course. And when I took the one sculpture course, it was like two semesters. They all said, you've been doing this. You've been doing this. And I said, no, no. I said, just in sand. But they were like, we've got to follow sculpture. And I really didn't until later in life, until 
this opportunity from Tom Greenwood. So, yeah, there's some things like that, though, because I can I can relate to that to some degree. There are times when you kind of just know that you have that ability in you. You just haven't maybe done it yet in the capacity you've. Exactly. Yeah. That I can relate to it with um, a couple things, but one odd one is um, water skiing. <laughs> ah, no way. <laughs> yeah, I've, I had never water skied in my life. And we had this, my grandpa had a boat and we went out on the water and nobody could get up off, of, get up out of the water. Like my dad was out there and my uncle and no one could like get up on top. And I was like, well, oh. let me try. I feel like I could just feel my way through it. Let me try. I think I understand this enough to just get out there and do it. And I did. No and way. It's not yeah, art, but yeah. Oh, it was really, I can't do it. <laughs> that's great. You, I mean, that's, that's impressive because you had to be very coordinated and know your body really well. You have to have be kind of like an engineer knowing the water and how they're pulling you and everything. Not, I mean, I'll be honest. It was a hundred percent feeling. Yeah. yeah, I should just feel the force of the water and like feeling when the right time was to kind of like straighten my legs a little more. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a calm, comforting moment. I was pretty scared, but like I was like, no, I think I can do this. And I, I don't wow. know. But yeah, I think with art, there are times when you have a mind to, oh, I can do this. Like I, the first time I made a corset, it was that same way, too. Trey probably can relate to some degree as well. Yeah. First time you made, what was it? A made? corset, like a, oh. like yeah, a, yeah. body. The mm -hmm. yeah, and those aren't easy, uh, nor are they. Uh, they're not a quick thing <laughs> to make. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, if you can wrap your head around it, I think. Yeah. So uh -huh. I get it. I think that's absolutely true. Someone is asking: Has the sculpture work? improve the painting you do i gave up painting <laughs> although a little just a little bit i do it but not um but thank you for asking um that's a very good question because i bet it would improve my painting if i really started doing sculptures again i mean doing paintings because when you work in 3d you really know it so well so you probably would know the light better although painting you're dealing with color and um, yeah. yeah. But anyway, thank you for that question. So this next one, and we're almost done here, is the Wright Brothers. Yeah, they, they that was interesting. I was asked to do this by a fellow who um, has an airport in the Sanford, Orlando, right in that area for the private planes that came in. He was a, a private um, pilot for Yanni. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so his name is Jim Watkins, and he had asked me to make these for his airport. So um, they were there in the lobby, and I think the airport, he sold it. So I'm not sure if he gave it to the Sanford Orlando Airport. I, I've got to get down there and look for him. <laughs> but uh, so. Are these separate, or are they, is this one piece? Oh, they're separate. Okay. They're just and photographed then, together. Okay. Yeah, I have a very good friend who um, she said, I want to bring these to the Smithsonian. And I don't even mind talking about this now because it was a dream of a lifetime. I mean, they said they wanted them. The senior curator was like, 
we're going to bring them right here with their plane. So talk about, you know, a career where you have the highs and the lows, but I mean, I'm very grateful for all the work that I do have. And, you know, of course you never get everything you set out to do. One thing was um, if these are available on your website to view and yeah, absolutely. I wanted to bring that up to everyone is there are these and more on Carolyn's website and social media. So I suggest you go follow her and check out those. Um, one question was, um, do you have, uh, and this is one I wanted to ask too, do you have anything that's like, I wish I could do this kind of dream projects? I wish I could do this. Hmm. Let me think. I mean, I wish I could do this. Um, there were, there were dream pro projects that came on my plate on some, but, uh, um, this. Well, I would love to make very large pieces. In fact, the same friend of mine who brought them to the Smithsonian and they were so interested, she wants to bring two huge Wright brothers to Dubai and have large pieces. And I have now the foundry that can make huge pieces and can enlarge mine. So wow. I think it'd be, it'd be quite cool to see like large pieces. Yeah. You know, if someone had a similar experience in the culinary world, oh, they just knew that they were good at it. Good for you. How do you get commissions? You know, every commission I have ever had, other than they find me, like um, the Popes and St. Patrick's, what happened there was um, actually for Frank Sinatra, I was on covers of magazines. Like there's a lot of magazines that they put me on covers and newspapers and then people found me through that okay mm -hmm. that makes sense that's yeah. how we find people too sometimes <laughs> <laughs> how did you find me <laughs> we found you through sandra oh and i'm not sure sandra can maybe yeah. answer that better she told me i believe and i don't remember oh thank you sandra it was sweet we always have feelers out for good people to be on the show and Oh, she said she saw you on the Today Show. Today Show. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. Boy, that was an experience. They had to come in and give me a COVID test. I was so sick. And I said, can we do it another day? You can't do that with it was Good Morning America. No, I think it was it was with Joe Fryer. Is he the Good Morning America or Today Show? Um, I don't know. She said it might have been Good Morning America. Yeah, I don't I know because I don't watch TV in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. But he was wonderful, Joe Fryer. It was just that I didn't feel well that day. I'm oh, like, no. Yeah. That's too bad, especially such a, like, a pinnacle moment like that. Exactly. Be, yeah. Oh. I can't help no. it, though. And it was the day that Frank was actually being taken and prepared to go into Hope Open. So that had to be around December, you know, it was during the pandemic. You know, very, very oh, difficult. Sure. So... I was, it was coming from all angles, but Joe did great. Joe, Joe just, he kept me calm, even though I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate. I yeah, can yeah. relate. <laughs> Are you calm right now, Trey? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I really am. So for, for you, if there was someone that, uh, that you could sculpt or you could choose to sculpt, um, either one, who would you choose and why? You know, I always, I always enjoy 
you know, calling forth the person whenever I'm working on them. So I'd have to say it'd have to be somebody pretty deep or spiritual. I don't know. I, I always thought the Dalai Lama, you know, I've never done a kind of Asian looking person, but I would love to have the presence of the person and, you know, and capture something like that. Uh, Emily, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask the same of you just randomly. Um, if you had the ability to sculpt anybody, who would you choose and why? Are you asking You're Emily? asking me who I would sculpt? Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to clarify. Uh, it's funny you say that because I, and I was going to bring this up when we talked about the process, but um, we had Gwen Krantz on the podcast last week, and she runs the art lab here in town, and the art lab is like a gym membership for art and you can go in there and have a membership and then you can just go play with clay and sculpt and you can go weave fabric and you can paint and stained glass and all kinds of things and it's amazing and so i am part of the art lab and i went in last week and i bought a block of clay and i dove in wow so yeah and i was thank you i've never done i mean since i was a kid playing with play-doh i have not touched anything like it so that's amazing so what did you do what did you make um part of it is a secret because it's a gift and i don't want to give that away but the other part is um i started creating from the uh game zelda there is a there is a statue in the game Zelda that is uh, notable and a friend and I were playing that and we were talking about it and so I decided to create that and um, I'm oh. not done. I put, I created the base and kind of set it aside to start drying a little bit and then I'll, I'll work on it again. And nice. It wasn't as bad as I, bad, that's really a poor way to say it. I meant it wasn't as challenging as i thought it was and not knowing like how easy it was like getting used to how clay acts and reacts to yeah. your finger versus a tool versus oh. everything is very interesting and that's kind of just playing around with shape and like adding water and and things like that it helps me kind of get yeah. to know clay you have to kind of get to know clay i've you learned do. Yeah. you do so yeah sure so it's, i know i well, to answer Trey's question, who would I sculpt? Um, I none that never occurred to me, but I did. I did get to. I don't know who would I. Let me think about it. I will come up with the answer before the end of the show. Jason Momoa. <laughs> Ask who? Oh, <laughs> sorry. I was trying to answer Emily. Uh, I would was gonna agree with Archer in our chat and say uh, she's gonna say Jason Momoa. <laughs> I know I don't want I don't want to I'm sorry Carolyn what did you say no, 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 I'm watching he said that she's gonna say Jason Momoa That's what no says. I'm not gonna say Jason Momoa um I want to know who Trey would sculpt <laughs> that's um, a good question that is a really good question let's sculpt each other <laughs> I, I should, you know what I actually like this plan we come up with the wildest ideas on the show. <laughs> and we'll put it in a castle and then on the day that we're all showing up to this photo shoot we'll have the, these just like nice little sculptures right. yeah that's a great idea and then if we do it right we can make clothes for them because like, we do sewing <laughs> that would be cool 
I love this. That's a great idea. (laughs) Okay, we have sidetracked, but I love this so much. I love this so much. Uh, I really want to hear about the process uh, that you go through, Carolyn. Yes, let's do that. Oh, gosh. I know. Someone asked on here when creating, do you take a picture, build a clay, then create the bronze? Can you describe it? Okay. So when creating, like, say, Lucille Ball, I went on CBS and purchased a lot of the, yeah, I purchased a lot of, you know, her shows. And one of the most difficult things was not watching the show (laughs) and listening to it. So I had to turn the sound down because it was making me laugh so much. It was hard for me to actually get into the visuals. So Mm. what I did was I blew up photos of her. I had the sound off and had, I have huge cameras in here, or I'm sorry, used monitors. And so you get into the mood of who she is, her personality. And then what you do, every sculptor does is we build what's called an armature. And an armature is actually like, think of a skeleton of a body. You know, you build it out of metals. And then once you have it in metals, my process, I mean, you can do it many different ways, but my process is foam. I just build up foam, 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 foam. And then once the foam's up, I carve the foam down because this makes it much lighter. And then I start using the French clays. I use uh, La Batouche French clay, which is very expensive. And that's why I like a lot of filler underneath because really what you're making is a model so that you can make a mold from the model. So no one goes and like takes metal and, you know, builds a person who looks like a person. I mean, you can do abstract and metals and, you know, um, do all that. But so anyway, so you, 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 you make your original piece out of clay or, or if someone likes to do wax, you know, you have a medium where you make your piece. And then once you make your piece, you create a mold from that piece. So you start painting on silicon rubber, which is very flexible. And then you put uh, another mold on it called a mother mold. The reason they call it a mother mold is it supports the rubber underneath. And to give you just a quick, because it's a long process, you get this mold on, you break it open, and then you have to make a duplicate hollow wax figure. This is an ancient process that goes back 6,000 years. Wow. And so once I have the hollow process, in fact, I have my third steward right over here. He's, he's hollow and wax. And then once I'm all done with the wax and the hollow, I bring it to the foundry. And the foundry is where they melt the molten bronze. And, you know, I, very few sculptors have their own foundries. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so once you have the wax, there's a long process that goes into it. Do we have any of those photos, Emily, where we had the PowerPoint? Yeah, we've Press- got the one up now is the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's Lucy's walking on her star. That's what I'm seeing. There we go. Yeah. Okay. So that is the mold. And you'll see the orange part is the silicon rubber. And then you'll see on the bottom of her dress on the right side, that's the plaster. Okay. And then um, those shims that I'm putting in there are like to break open the parting lines. So once all of the piece is covered, it, it looks like a big white snowman. And once that 
a big white snowman, you start breaking it open. And then is there another slide? Because I think I gave yes. a lot of slides to yeah. show the process. Okay, there you go. You can just so tell then, me to go to the next one. And yeah, yeah. So this one I used a fiberglass. Fiberglass is much lighter than um, real plaster. Plaster can get so heavy. So, okay, next one. And then, yeah. Okay, so this is pulling off now the molds. And now we have to pour wax in there. And this is how you create um, the wax. And this, this with Lucy, I took it off to the foundry to do it. <laughs> okay. Sometimes here. But, you can see the layers here. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Lucy's dress. And there is the beginning of the hollow wax duplicate. So you put the wax in there, you can see Lucy's head. Yeah. And then what? Yeah. And then uh, once the wax is there, I am working on the wax. I'm fine tuning things and the eyelashes. Um, her eyelashes were a challenge because this, if you do the whole process, if I, if once you see the whole process, you'll understand why, but you have to have the molten bronze go right into where the eye, where those eyelashes were. And if they're too thin, they're just going to break off. And it's not, kids could just go and pull on it and it'd be gone. So I had to make her eyelash very, very thick. And when I see Lucy uh, in Celeron and people have taken pictures of her with the zenith of the sun above her head, you know how if your eyelashes are real long, it covers her eyes. So I always cry when I see those photos. I'm like, no, don't take pictures of her at the zenith of the sun. <laughs> but I had to make the eyelashes big so nobody could just break them off. That makes sense. I w that was one question I had too was what kind of detail is too small? But that's, yeah. this is an example of that, huh? Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, so this is the gating and the engineering part, you know, the lost wax process. You They strategically pl place all these sprues and vents to, um, you see all that, that all of those vents are where the molten bronze is going to melt out. Okay. You'll see the next picture. Okay. This, this gets put into big, big vats. Okay. If you zoom in, if you can zoom in on her, yeah. see she's she's um, hollow, and now they're going to dip her up and down, up and down into these vats. Okay. And then she's going to have another shell um, covering her. So this is the second shell. Oh, that's after the shell was broken off. But anyway, oh, okay. The shell, yeah, the shell will be inside and outside. It's. I always tell everybody, it's like think of a chocolate Easter bunny that's hollow, and you, you dip it in and uh so there's a very hard shell after this process on the outside and the inside and then um yeah and then they knock the shell off and then there you can see remnants of the ceramic shell and then i didn't show you the picture of them power blasting off they have to really get off every little nook and cranny because that's bronze which you see right there right that's bronze with remnants of the of the shell and see you see before and after the sandblasting as that's it goes incredible in. isn't it what Maybe. that's quite a transformation and you can see one of the holes here on the side yes. of her head yes and that has to be all patched back okay yep see she's hollow that's that's actual bronze 
that it still has the shell. I mean, once that's actually bead blasted, they call it, and shined up, she'll be like almost gold looking. <laughs> okay. Fascinating. It is. It's a long Oh, there I am with a selfie doing the patina. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm working on the reason I'm all covered up is because. I was working on the eyelashes and the metals. So, you know, I'll go in and at the foundry, I'll work right on the metals and ugh, you don't want that in your eye. Oh, of course not. No. So you mentioned the step before this would be putting her together, right? The pieces? Yes, yes. They welded, they welded her all back together again. Humpty Dumpty. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So at yeah. this point, she is bronze but hollow. Yeah, all bronzes are hollow. When you see bronzes in the streets and everything, they're hollow. Interesting. Yep. I never thought about it that way. I guess I never thought about mm -hmm. it at all. But yeah, you can't cast a solid bronze in a long, a large piece because, first of all, bronze actually shrinks in different areas, so you'll have a lot of warpage and everything. Hmm. So there is a process that you have to go through like this, and it, it's been perfected actually almost 6,000 years ago, so. Wow. That's so interesting. And then you put a patina on it. Yeah, the patina is very interesting because you use a torch. And bronze actually is porous. So if you're doing this, like, in humidity, it's the worst. You have to, you have to get all the, it'll sweat. Like, you, you heat up the metal as much as you can, and then you have different chemicals that you put onto the metal and it oxidizes it and turns it into different colors. So you also have to make sure the temperature outside is just right because, you know, early on I learned the hard way by saying, oh, I can patina over this, but what happens if you patina over bronze and it didn't sweat everything out, it's a humid day, you'll get a film in between two layers and then it looks foggy so is that because it almost looks like lucille's hair is redder is that yeah. a patina thing yes yeah that's the patina you can you can use a different kinds of chemicals that will actually give you reddish tones and different things like that in stained glass there's patinas as well for the solder and oh and so I, I get an, I, I have an idea of that, but what you do is a little different with heating it up. Interesting. And I suppose then that means you can't, you have to be careful about patinating it all in the same day, probably with the same humidity and the same conditions. Yes. You want to work very quickly in the first, you know, the very first piece because it, it and also if you don't cover it, it turns its spots. Like the sun will, um, will oxidize it fairly quickly. You know, if it's humid, it, it oxidizes fairly quickly. So you want to get that first, you know, when it's out fresh, you want to get that first layer on and then it's pretty much, you know, protected. You mentioned earlier that um, you kind of get, you went back to the Lucille um, statue and you liked some things from certain angles and you said, oh, I would have done this differently. Um, how often does that that sense of, oh, I could have done this here, or I could have done this here. How often does that kind of come up for you? And how do you reconcile that with saying done is better than perfect? 
Well, I am trying my hardest. <laughs> I look at everything and say, I could have done this, I could have done that. I, and you're exactly right. Done is perfect because people don't know what you had before. Like sometimes I'll be working on a piece and I'll go, oh my gosh, you know, I can do better. I can do a little better. And then I get to a place where I can't get back what I had. And then I'm like, oh no, but nobody knows what I actually had before. And then some people say, oh no, it's better now, but it can drive you crazy. <laughs> and as uh, da Vinci said, uh, you know, a piece of art is never finished. It's only abandoned. And that's how I feel because you just kind of let go. You go, I got it. I got to let it go. And I actually do like deadlines because it forces me to like get it done. But then I wish I had more time to have that fresh eye because I think every artist has to get away for a while and then you come back and you see, you know, with a new eye. Yet, uh, for our audience, there is a, I've blurred my background just a little bit, but there is a red shirt that's back here that I'm particularly proud of. Um, it's the first Renaissance shirt that I've ever made for myself. And um, there are so many things that I love about it. But please, anybody who sees me at the Carolina Renfest, do not ask me about this shirt. Because I will start to point out, oh, do you see this flaw? Do you see this flaw? Do you see this flaw? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's so, it's, wait, why do we do that? No one's going to see or know about those flaws until you do. So you're yep. better off not doing it. I'm sure. It, I think that's the one thing that that we can respect is like, uh, like Archer with cooking or us with sewing and um, Carolyn with her sculpting process, or even with the creation of writing a novel, there's so many intricacies that are embedded within that not many people get to see every now and then. And when you're actually able to see the process, I think it makes it, or I can't speak for everybody, but it definitely makes me appreciate the, the final product that gets delivered. Yeah. And I go, wow, that, that is incredible. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously making it look easy. I mean, not that I ever believed what she did was easy. But wow. I also question whether or not I could sculpt a human. Like, we talked about who we would sculpt, and I sat there and went, you mean create, like, someone's face that would be recognizable as another human? I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, okay, but I, I will challenge you. I will challenge you to to create something. Do not give me that face, Emily. I don't Emily. want that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine, then make the face out of fabric. That was a super frown. Oh, out of fabric. That's worse. <laughs> I do have um, a difficult time with... When the muse shows, it's so much fun. You know, when you're just in it and... I always say it's like what, um, um, actually, when you come from your heart, everything works. Like if you're, if you're, if you come from ego or mind, or you're saying, I've got to have it like this, I think it should be like this. And you're putting your own thoughts into what you think it should be. It's like, it doesn't just come across and you just got to open up and be a channel to allow the creativity to come through. And Chagall said that he said, if you come from the heart, 
everything works. He said, if you come from your head, nothing. Yep. And Josh said, ah, yes, the muse and his, her, their mercurial gifts. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's, I don't know, to be, to be sensitive can be a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a question and it was about like you, with Thomas Jefferson being like kind of the beginning, you said that um, you started with like a smaller version and then made the bigger version, which to me sounds like a massive undertaking for a beginning. And my question was because you felt confident in, in sculpting out of clay something, but you had to learn the bronze process. Can you talk about how that occurred? Sure. I mean, when you say you had to learn the, I know everyone is blown away by this. I mean, I'm blown away by somebody who could sit at a piano and just go do, 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 right? So, I mean, for me to actually make the sculptures I feel in 3D, like you feel in water, you know, skiing, but um, to make a bronze, all I did was I said, so wait a second, I just make a clay figure. I mean, I'm just filled with all my clay friends in here. And once you make the clay figure, you do a mold. So you research, you get, you know, you, I talk to people at the foundry. They say, oh, no problem. We'll bring people in and teach you to do molds and we'll get the mold one. So they come in, they do the molds. And once you do the molds, you do the lost wax and the foundry. I mean, I'm definitely a micromanager, but thank God, I think they still love me. They're always, yay, we hug when I get there. But I oversee a lot of my stuff a little too much like when they're working on it, because when you're doing people, you have to have everything. So I go into the foundry a lot. And, um, you know, I just want to make sure that every little piece is the way I made my original because, you know, Stuart Weitzman's shoes, I don't want Stuart to listen to this, but just now when they did the casting and they're like, don't worry. I mean, this is the top boundary. But I'm noticing some, you know, the casting didn't come out quite perfect. And they said, no, it's just the shoe. But if that happened anywhere near the face, I would say, no, reject, reject, reject. But it's just the, the heel of the shoe. You know, it, the casting didn't come out quite exact. And you just fill it. They can just fill it. Oh, okay. But with all kind of metal and everything. And um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the part, I guess, that's the big undertaking that, people find unique watching me just build this thing and all of a sudden putting the clay on it and making the person. But yeah. Okay. I mean, the foundry, you know, they, they basically turn the piece into, yeah, every, every sculptor uses a foundry and they create their art from the mold because the mold holds all of the, um, you know, all the detail. Right. The mold has, all the details. So as long as I make sure my molds are done perfect, um, we'll be okay unless it's a bad casting. It's fascinating too, because for something you said was a 60 or 6,000 year old um, method is something we're still doing today. So there are, there's this foundry that still does this today. And yeah, so, and it's bronze sculpting can't be that common, I'm assuming. You know, um, it's not so common, but there are there are quite a few you know sculptors that I'm aware of. Okay. And um, the only thing is, a lot of the foundries closed down because 
it's a lot of work. It's very expensive. I mean, if I were ever to tell you what one of these pieces cost alone just to cast. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's not a lot, a lot of sculptors, but they're, they're out there. But there's not a lot, a lot of, a lot of foundries. That's, uh, yeah. that's, yeah. But the one I go to, oh my goodness, it's like, you see Meryl Streep's husband there. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a sculptor. Oh. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah. They met in Yale and he, he does, he does beautiful, very contemporary work. And that's another thing, you know, this boundary, they'll do contemporary work. And I say, yeah, well, just not, it's gorgeous contemporary, but when you're dealing with faces, if one little eyebrow looks off, you can change a person's entire personality. And that's why I do all my patinas because you get a little dark in the wrong way. You can make someone look angry. You can... No. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, Sandra in our chat was asking, uh, what is your most challenging piece? My most challenging um, that I've ever made. My most challenging. Let me think. Hmm. Well, I mean, certain pieces I find come up easier than others, but I would say most of them, I have a little bit of a challenge and some more challenging, like Pope Benedict, for some reason, I had him older than I had him younger. And then I'm like, I, I just couldn't feel him anymore. So I had to keep looking at his photos, looking at different things, but I definitely got that little curl in his hair. So he had, he had the best hair. So, um, yeah, sometimes there's, there's, um, there's, there's challenges, but again, it's when other things are on my mind or if I'm trying too hard, you know, you gotta be in the right mood. I, I always say like some days I feel like I want to train the muse, but the muse has to be there. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're both artists. Right. Sure. Do you do pro like all commissions or do you, have you done work for just you? I know I don't. I just do commissions. In fact, I just spoke with a very dear friend of mine today. And uh, I remember back in the day when I said to him, we were in Wegman's store and I said, Dan, I want to sculpt. I, 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 I want to sculpt, but I just don't want to do it in vain and just sit there and like, you know, not bring any happiness to anybody or not like, you know, and so I said, please, let's just say a prayer that I can do a sculpture that somebody loves. And boy, did our prayer ever get answered. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I think everybody, whatever dream you have or um, desire or passion, it's a good idea to put it out there and, and, you know, wish upon a star. Say a little prayer and have somebody believe in you. Have somebody else believe in you, with you. Or you could donate to our email. Please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com. <laughs> that would help, help. That would help with our dreams. Yes. <laughs> so what is that? What do you mean sponsor? What, do you, what is that? Oh, oh. We, oh go ahead, Trey. You oh, um, so we, one of our first episodes, we made a joke uh, that we were like when we we're first getting started and our email that we came up with was please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com and like uh, send us thank you notes, send us love notes, send us, I don't know, some money, five bucks every now and then. Um, <laughs> so, 
Shameless. How does it work? Is it is people are they doing it? Um we no get comment. emails, but we get emails to our main email, which is um, the info at themodrom.com, more than we get to that one. So I would say it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, but we bring it up often enough to say it is a legitimate email. Oh, it yeah. is it is connected to us, and we can't say that enough. Like we we jokingly use it, but there is a legitimate email. Please sponsor us. We love you at themodrom.com. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Please sponsor us. Yeah, you can yeah. You can email us there just to say hi. We'll, yeah. We'll, I will. We will answer. <laughs> we will answer. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell us about your documentary. Oh gosh. Um, this fella approached me. Jim Burns, and he did a documentary on Van Heusen, who was Frank Sinatra's very close, close friend and wrote a lot of his songs. He won a lot of awards for his songs. And um, his documentary did very well. It was on PBS and everything. And he said, you know, you've done a nice body of work that, you know, I would like to make a piece. So, so far we have Cardinal Dolan speaking in it, talking about how much he likes the sculptures. We have the mayor of Hoboken talking about Frank Sinatra. We have the mayor of Lucille Ball's hometown. hometown. We have Stuart Weitzman. He's in there okay. talking. And we also have um, um, uh, Anne Huntington, who is the president of Huntington Learning Centers. And she sits on a lot of different art boards and museums and things like that. And she really enjoys my work. So she's a star in it. She's amazing. She's just like, um, she's an incredible woman. So. And it has all my work and it talks about my life and that fellow Tom Greenwood who I went to him, please, Tom, please. In fact, I had to make a little sculpture just to recreate the story and it's sitting over there. <laughs> it's a little head of Thomas Jefferson that I went to him for, but so yeah, so that's it. So it goes all around and shows the art, the presidential library with the blind friend uh, touching the sculptures and it's a suite, you know, so he's going to, He's going to promote it, but I'll. That sounds yeah. incredible. I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the link. I'll, I don't know where he's going to have it, but yeah. Oh, I got to get Dick Wolf in it. I got to, I got to contact him. Yeah, make you sure. do. <laughs> yes. I, I wanted, to, I wanted to deliver his sculpture to him, but um, it's, it's a very heavy sculpture, but I'm going to end up mailing it. But I hear he's making a special alcove. I sent him photos of it, and he loves it. So I'm very happy about that from Law and Order. I imagine shipping such a thing is quite a process. Yes, 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 yes. And you want to make sure. I mean, with bronze, you can't really dent unless you really just drop it, like, off a building. Right. You know? But, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, do you put it? Like in a crate, or I guess it depends on the size. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'll call a company, a professional company. I already worked that in the price. I told them that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. extra. Of course. I made a mm -hmm. pair of giant wings once that, well, it's a recycled design. I used to do a lot of recycled pieces where I would take and make like a dress out of paper or out of plastic or out of things that aren't normally it's not fabric unconventional nice 
and I yeah it was fun and um, I'd show it at different pieces in different places and attempt to win awards and things like that it was mostly to bring um, awareness to the paper waste in some industries because um, and plastic waste because the plastic all the plastic I ever used for pieces like that were from the fashion industry because fashion is extremely wasteful and um, what a great idea yeah, it was it was fun, but these wings yeah. I made were from garment bags from the fashion industry, and they were gigantic, like twelve foot wings. And oh my goodness, yeah, I had a yeah, they were huge, and they would fold down. Like I had them, you could actually pull these cables, and they would open. Whoa! Yeah, it was it was fun. That is fun, really. It was fun to wear them around on Halloween the one time I did. You, you wore it on Halloween? Yeah, I, wa- <laughs> I walked around my neighborhood at the time, and I um, I had, like, a black cape on, too, so I put the hood up. <laughs> I love it. And I walked up behind people, and I would open, I'd pull the cords, and the wings would open. So they were, they start four feet wide, and then when I pull the cords, they'd be 12 feet wide, and there was a guy who was like, he must've gotten home from the grocery store or something. And he had groceries in the trunk of his car and he was leaning over, like pulling the groceries out of the trunk. And I walked up behind him and I like, <laughs> opened the wings and he just, ah, <laughs> and I felt bad. I felt bad, but like, I just kept going. I couldn't say anything because it felt out of character. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Oh my gosh! Where are those wings today? They're in the closet here. I have them still. Oh, oh you have there. So you said yeah. Yeah, there were a couple of bands showed interest for music videos because I've I've done costuming for music videos too, and no one wants to pay the shipping on these wings, so the only ones I've done were ones I could hand deliver. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the shipping part was what I was thinking because that was at the challenge oh, okay. with the wings. Yeah. Yeah. What what about what you do makes you go, yes, this is why I do what I do? You know, it's it's the reactions of people. Being a fly on the wall and going and watching the responses and people enjoying, you know, the work. So that is really why I say yes when I see that. Because you, like, you feel like you're giving something and you feel like, you know, you're bringing joy or whatever, emotions, art, it stirs up emotions in people. And so it's, it's a way of, um, yeah, it's a way of giving. Yeah. That's relatable. Um, my question before we wrap here is there, I'm sure that there is someone sitting at home who is, has a mold of clay in their hands and they're wanting to get inspired. Um, what piece of advice do you have for them? Oh my gosh. I would say if they want to do a person to think of a person that they would like to bring into their field, somebody that they really enjoy or they're inspired by. And then, um, actually, you know, you can go online to, there's a lot of great online videos that will show you even how to get started with the head and you know how to measure you know where the eyes and the nose are and everything and just go to town just 
teach yourself that. And it's more about being in, I think it's more about the joy and feeling like you can do it. Just having confidence. Don't lose up. Don't lose faith. Even if you have a piece in your, um, I, I had a friend once who I was trying to teach a little bit about it. And I remember when he came to me, I'm thinking, uh oh, but I kept saying, you know, if you look at this and look at this and all of a sudden, he started doing these beautiful pieces. So you need someone to encourage you if it's not yourself. <laughs> Find a good friend who will believe in you. <laughs> but you can do it. Emily, I encourage you. You can do anything you set your mind to. Thank you. I actually do believe that. It took me a while to get there, but I I do believe that. In fact, I came up with who, based on what Carolyn just said, I came up with who I would sculpt. <gasps> who? Okay. All right, who? Queen Elizabeth I. Oh. oh, okay. Wow. And what? why? Well, you said, um, you know, it, it's somebody who speaks to me as far as their bravery and their vision. And uh, I don't know. I just, I've always really looked up to that, up to her in history. And like, she's the one person I always say, who would you have lunch with if you could have lunch with anybody? Like, I, I want to sit down and pick her brain. So, yeah, I would, I would sculpt her. What would you pick her brain about? I'm just curious. I want to have a talk show now. This is fun. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, you should. You should. I love sculpting and just, what do you, no, but seriously, what about her? Um, well, she ruled England at a time when she was a woman who was, I mean, they didn't necessarily want women ruling and she fought her advisors on things regarding how the church should be run and how the country should be run. They wanted to go to war and she would say no. They wanted, I mean, things like that. She was, and she would remind herself, like, I'm my father's daughter. And, um, and she looked up to her father and saw how he ruled and kind of was like, I'm going to do this without fear. I'm going to, I'm, she paved her own path in a world of, of men that thought differently. And so she was a very strong woman, and that is why. I love that. Yeah. That's a good Yeah. So, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's that's my skull. I, I need to, like, look a lot closer at what she looked like. Because <laughs> I don't really, you know, but that's who I would. But I, I think it would be cool because I could also... Um, I love the fashion from that time too, like that kind of uh, Elizabethan fashion. So I could, I would sculpt the whole thing, like the dress and the details and the little. I think you should do that. Do it. Yeah. Okay. Do it. I'm inspired. See. I'll try. When you have four. I'll send. I'll send you updates then. <laughs> Keep me <Yes>. accountable. <laughs> Gwen, if you're listening, we now have this recorded. <laughs> uh, uh, Carolyn, I just have to say thank you so much for being on tonight. This was this was a true pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. I have this true pleasure being with you. You're so comfortable to be with. Oh, I'm yay. Not I was thinking, oh my gosh, running around. What the, but you are. You're, you both have a gift, a wonderful gift of making someone like me feel comfortable because normally I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> Not a nervous wreck, but sometimes I'm like, oh, but thank you. Thank you for 
yeah, your questions and, you know, your presence. It's usually the presence of what people give to you. And it's, it's in the silence that you feel it. You know that, right? Yeah. But yes. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Thank you. That is that is so nice to hear. We appreciate you having you here, and we could not tell if you were nervous at all. You were you seemed comfortable, so. Oh, I was. Comfortable too. I was. I was. I was comfortable with you. I'm saying. <laughs> Usually, comfortable. Sometimes I have to talk on, you know, different interviews, and sometimes I'm not. But I was very comfortable with you. So thank you. And again, your show is amazing. I mean, I saw some of the. Um, shows that you have had and it's just it's a cool it's a really cool um you know podcast thank you thank you um we're gonna well, smile the rest of the day now <laughs> <laughs> um oh Great. my gosh so uh for everyone at home uh, just so that you can keep up to date with carolyn uh you can visit uh, her website at palmersculptures.com uh you can also follow her on facebook and on Instagram, on Instagram, she is Carolyn Palmer Sculptures. And on Facebook, I just want to make sure I've got this right. Um, how does it appear on Facebook? Uh, Carolyn Palmer Sculptures. Um, Carolyn Palmer. God, I'm hardly on there lately. It's yeah, Carolyn D. Carolyn D. Palmer Sculptures. Carolyn D. Oh, Palmer no, Sculptures. Carolyn D. Palmer Sculpture Artist. That's correct. So, yeah. yeah. Carolyn D. Palmer Sculpture Artist. Um, please go commission her to create another incredible lifelike sculpture. Um, please, somebody out there, there has got to be an arts foundation that is dying to have a sculpture. So please, 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 please get Carolyn. Um, support uh, artists. Yeah. Tina support. Turner, I had somebody contact me about Tina Turner who passed away, but it's just in the beginning stages. Somebody just has been calling and saying, you got to do Tina Turner. You but do. That's actually, she's I, yeah, yeah. An icon sculpting an icon. No. <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody, and have a. I can't think of a good word, so I'm just gonna say, have a marvelous day. <laughs> thank you. Yay. Have a wonderful evening, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.